This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller producing the program for us. Glad he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals Lead Sports Columnist. The Lead Sports Columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. A top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. What do you make of days? I don't know. Like days when your team is the focus of like, not necessarily the national sports news, but the national sports takes. Like you are the subject of all the biggest takes of the day. Because that's where the Memphis Grizzlies are today. And I'm curious, like... I don't know if they've this this version of the Grizzlies, they've come close, but never quite like that. Not like quite like today, and like the Dylan Brooks nut shot. Yeah, it was literally the nut shot heard around the world. Like you know, yeah. like again, not the center of national but they sports are the news. Center of takes the center of sport, like the national sports takes, so, whether it's on social media or the debate shows. Or what have you. In general, I kind of abide by the philosophy, no such thing as bad publicity. Mm. Just get him talking. Mm. That's because Vince McMahon still owns my brain at 34 years old. Um, What I like about it, though, is I've noticed a pattern, Mm. Mark, in some of these takes. Mm. And I think in particular, Stephen A's take. Because he had the strongest one today, I thought. Out of everyone, like the TNT guys commented on it. Like most people just went with the run of the mill, like focusing on what Dylan did and going like cheap shot. Yeah. Dirty player, maybe. They'll go to, you know, Donovan, you know, after what Donovan Mitchell said, they'll go to that one. The straightforward, just not, not commenting on the Grizzlies at large, but more so focusing on Dylan. It's these moments where Stephen A reminds you who's number one. Yeah. He's the king takesman. (laughs) It's these moments when he reminds you, I invented this. <laughs> this is step over, Daddy's here. He modernized um, it. Modernized it. He didn't invent the take. No, but he invented the the sports take, like being the the sports take that essentially becomes the conversation for the day. Moder- modernized it. He modernized it. Yeah, but like, I mean, he invented, this is an, it's a different art. It's like saying... Like yeah, like did he's a he's a painter. He did not invent the paintbrush, but he invented his style. 
Benjamin Franklin, you know, found electricity. But discovered, yeah, discovered I guess. Discovered electricity. I don't even know if that's technically but now, true. Like now, but, like, Stephen A. is like the LED lighting of takes. The modern a, takesman. If we're going to use your electricity, Stephen A. is the Thomas Edison. Okay. He made the light bulb. <laughs> there you go. He commercialized okay. it. He found a go. way okay. to commercialize okay. it. But what did Thomas but, Edison have to say about the Grizzlies? I'm sure we can find out. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll but, get... Yeah, well, no. Let's get into his first, though. Well, let's set up the show. We got. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about what we're gonna be talking about coming out of the weekend. And the first question is: Are we gonna be talking about Dylan Brooks still coming out of the weekend and the 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 uh, controversial Memphis Grizzlies all of a sudden? Um, we'll also talk Tigers. Two forty or so. Blake Topmeyer will join us. We'll talk uh, college football with him. He's the SEC football columnist for the USA Today Network. Three o'clock or three o'clock or so. We will get into the list. Grizzlies, oh, by the way, in the midst of all this, have two All-Stars for the first time. Mm. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. making the cut. Uh, somewhat surprisingly, I think. Yeah, I, I think we all kind of had the same reaction last night. I was Great! Like, it's yeah! Like, Damn! How about that? Good for him! Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Um, and uh, Kyrie Irving has made another demand, Jeffrey. Just when okay. you thought things were going smoothly in Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving <laughs> has requested another trade. Right. We'll we'll get into that later because <laughs> this one is another one of I hate everybody. All right, let's then start. Three thirty or so, we'll get you ready for the weekend. All right, let's start with Stephen Best A. Games. And so Stephen A.'s take, okay, yeah, is this generally speaking, Dylan Brooks, from what he's from the execs he talks to and what he's looking at. Yes, okay, yes. it wasn't just what he's seen. He's yes, talked to people. King. Yes, Who said King, this? get that paintbrush out. Okay. Mm. So this is pretty good. Dylan Brooks, Brooks, you and the way you have been playing and the fact you haven't been what we're yes, accustomed King. to seeing you do yeah. is costing Memphis potentially a chance at the title. Yes. All right. Went on to say, rather than be physical and get in a fight, step your game up, bro. And start balling the way we know you are capable of doing. Because John Morant deserves better. Taylor Jenkins deserves better. Those teammates of yours deserve better. They doing their job. You need to do yours. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. That's good stuff. Let's let's establish a couple of things. Unironically, I love Stephen A. Like, I really do. I think you can have all the complaints that you want about him. That guy is, is to me, like the Kardashians in that there's plenty of legitimate criticism you can have of him, but he never stops working. Like, he is just a machine going all the time. Mm-hmm. But we also, you and I also have this appreciation of him. This is, I think, one thing that gets left out of his story. When he was at Winston-Salem State, he wrote a piece criticizing his own coach yes. that he was on the team of. Like this That's is true. a man. This not cr- he. Got, I eventually got the guy fired. Yeah, correct, <laughs> correct. And he's a legend. He's complaining like, he about was like, like how a, the coach was treating correct, the team. Correct, and he was a legend at Winston Salem State. So like, it's not as if he just developed this character. This man came out of the womb this way. But one thing I've noticed in this take, Mark, I'm going to call this the backdoor take. And oh. Here's why. Oh, Stephen A. This is, is high-level Stephen taking. A, and there's been a lot of guys at ESPN. Will Bond, a lot of those guys, they were very, 
very high on the Grizzlies. Mm. Even to the point in which they said, this team's going to make the Western Conference Finals. And I believe that's the, that was Stephen A's Correct. Pick. Listen, Mark, like, like in any good play design, you got to have a safety valve. Mm. You got to have a check down. You got to have a way to get out of the play. I think this is how Stephen A gets out of his play. Uh, I, this, I, I, said I, it, I, I, I thought I was getting a different hands, version of Dylan Brooks. His hands Brooks. were tied. I thought I was getting Things a Things changed. Oh, man. All right. Now, let's just get into. I mean, are we going to be like, I mean, he is this, he is being vilified to another level. It's even, it feels like even more so. It's been, it's basically this play in a lot of people's minds has reinforced what they saw in the playoffs with the Gary Payton, the second play. And now this is like cemented him like that stamped him as a potentially in their minds, dirty player. And this, this like now it's set in stone. So Dylan Brooks is a dirty player. So to be clear, he picked a horrible time to have this moment. Yeah. On TNT on national TV, mm-hmm. no football this weekend. Mm, yeah. And as you just pointed out, Let's be real. Rest of the country's now checking in on it basketball. Yeah. They you know what I mean? Like this was this was Well, and then you also on top of it had I think what Donovan Mitchell then said afterwards, like it was already he was going to be criticized and then Don, you got like a unfiltered Donovan Mitchell just, you know, like basically saying everyone knows, you know, everyone knows what this guy is. You know, essentially that's what he said. He didn't say he was dirty, but he all but said it. I'm going to let you say that. Uh, That's kind of what he did. He did the, the, your words, not mine. But also, JB went in on him. Yeah, JB. Well, we know, like, I can just tell you from my, like, Dylan has never outright come out and said, Correct. I did not like playing for JB Bickerstaff. Well, JB didn't really play him. I, on two different occasions, I heard him refer to the time period of the JB Bickerstaff era as the time when Shelvin Mack was starting. Yes. And, And to be clear, he meant, over me. Correct. <laughs> um, I think there's a few things, though, about this play. No matter what, the thing that I have actually enjoyed about kind of the reaction, if you will, is watching these people, particularly in media, that cannot fathom what I just saw. It was an objectively hilarious moment, Mark. Like, he was doing, it looked like he was doing army training or military training. Like, doing the, the, the whole, the whole doing last the full roll was totally with unnecessary. Roll, with the full the, roll. The last, sir, the, last, the last rotation of the barrel roll was all completely unnecessary. Like, that was not him slowing down his momentum. That was him purposely doing an extra, whatever, monkey roll, barrel roll, whatever you want to call it. You know, like, that was... And then, the, yes, obviously swinging his arm. Now, I I am of the belief it was a dirty play. It was. There's no getting around it. And I'm a Dylan defender. Like, I defended him on the Gary Payton the second thing. Like, I was like, that was a basketball play that went awry. There was no intent there. He was intending to do something to Donovan Mitchell. Okay, there. so here's my deal. Let's play this out. If he wasn't trying to hit him in the nuts, what was he trying to do? Because he was yeah. clearly trying to strike him. I think just like Charlie, give no, him the Charlie horse, make him no feel one, him. But no one does that. Like that's <laughs> no. not, But you know what? You know what kids do do? Punch other kids in the nuts. What was worrisome is that it feels like it was a moment in time where Dylan kind of temporarily lost his mind. No, I'll say it, but what made it objectively hilarious the the role was. Yes. Yeah. 
It was like a, it was a moment in time where, but like, you like literally were watching a human being lose it. You could at least say with the Gary Payton the second thing, like that was a fast break situation. He was trying to get the ball and he just wasn't quite athletic enough to get the ball, and so he ends up just fouling Gary Payton the second really unnecessarily hard. Like there was, you could talk yourself into. He, you know, that was just a a hard play that went awry. Whereas last night's felt like, no, like it felt like he temporarily kind of lost yeah, no. his cool and did that. Like I do think on the Gary Payton play, a it was like it start. Remember Dylan? Dylan did something stupid on the offensive. Did he take like a bad shot or something? Like remember it was like a. Mm-hmm. That was a moment of stupidity. Yeah, like that was just a dumb moment. Well, this Last was dumb night. too, but <laughs> this was also like again, like it just and like that's what worries you is like he, you know, that's the type of stuff that really can cost you ultimately in like a playoff game, for instance. And obviously, it comes. It's like a, it's a perfect storm. It's coming right before the trade deadline. It's coming while he's probably having the worst stretch we've seen in a long time from him, and it's coming during the worst stretch we've seen from the Grizzlies in a long time. And it happened on national TV. Against a, you know, not a, like, Donovan Mitchell's not a, you know, the top echelon of stars, but he's a star, you know, an all-star player. Yeah. He was named an all-star last night. Um, he's a Max Steel guy. Yeah, it's like all a perfect storm of ingredients, and I think what's really interesting to me and what I'm curious if we're going to be talking about it coming out of the weekend, because it'll be trade deadline, I mean, week, if you will. I mean, I know we're within a week now of well, the deadline. Let's also be clear. Next week's Super Bowl week. Like, uh, this part of the OG. Here in Memphis, people are going to be very. Part of the OG Ananobi thing getting so much oxygen was the fact that we still have a week before the. We still have a week before the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, people will certainly be talking about the Super Bowl. Here in Memphis, I think people are going to be. Like, this trade deadline is a big deal. I agree with you, but I think. What do they do? What do they don't do? What clearly put the topic on steroids this week was the national attention it got. Um, But. I'll be curious because, like, it feels like whether it's the national me- – it's like the national media, and now if we listen to Stephen A., other executives in the NBA are like – Are telling me. Like, the the consensus seems yes, to be hey. not necessarily the Grizzlies need to be blown up, but, like, people seem to think the Grizzlies should make a significant move at the deadline because that's what I consider, like, moving on from Dylan Brooks, for instance, to be. Like, that to me feels like a significant move – at the deadline, and it feels like, frankly, the fan base, you know, like the Grizzlies fan base is, I think it was already divided on Dylan, and I don't think last night helped his cause. Like, certainly. And it's just fascinating to me that, like, it seems to be this push to, like, move on from Dylan, both from locally, from the fan base, from some, you know, media, and from national media. And that would be, like, like that'd be a significant move. And that would be changing a starter. And, you know, maybe it's the right move, but it also, like, I hope people understand, like, the, you know, ramifications. What's, ha- what's happening here? And it, it, frankly, it's, you know, it's. Well, thank you, Mark, for contextualizing it for us. Well, it's put a lot of, Not it all heroes puts a lot of pressure on that front office. Some type on a keyboard. Puts, puts a lot of pressure on that front office. Like, this is a big decision they have to make right here, right now. Like, whether. I mean, it, it is. Yeah, but we I'm also not clear that they're making a decision. No, I I I would I would hope that last night 
doesn't change your decision one way or the other. See, you should like if you want to get rid of Dylan, like one incident should not change your mind. If you want to keep him, I don't think one incident should change your mind. So I find it really hard to believe that last night would be a crisis point in which it motivates the front office. Like, you know what? We weren't going to move him, but now we have to move him. Like, that that doesn't seem likely to me. Now, what I definitely could buy, and I'd listen to the argument, was that an example of someone who's clearly been in a slump recently and is clearly, he's just clearly mentally distracted. Don't you think that's fair to say? It looks like he has been like that for a, a like a while now. I mean, I I think he's struggling. Like whether so, you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, however you want to phrase it, he's struggling. So the question for me is, what is the cause of that? Is it perhaps they've told him, "Hey, we're shopping you." I don't know that to be true, but like that is to me, that is an explanation because last night, like that was just a losing of your mind. Now, is that like a was that essentially like a freak out caused by something? Or was it as simple as, hey, man, this guy, like Donovan Mitchell just gets under his skin. And like he has something against Donovan Mitchell because I could buy that too. And I, I don't know. Like that's kind of the stuff. I would find it very, very hard to believe that last night would be the type of the type of move that would all of a sudden force the Grizzlies to change course. That just did not seem likely. That doesn't seem likely to me. They've yeah. never really operated like that. Yeah, I mean, or I guess it could have maybe swayed, you know, I guess maybe it's something that could sway you one way or the other, maybe, you know, if you're on the fence. Because I think, like I said, I just feel like this is a, we're reaching a major inflection point for this franchise for where they are on their rebuild or whatever you want to call this whole process that they've gone through since Ja got here. Like, obviously, they're past the rebuilding stage and they're into the contending stage. But how far are they into the contending stage, and what you know, what is this front office going to do to put them over the top? Is this the moment? Is it you know like it's we're reaching like those inflection points that seemed like I'm a, I don't want to say really far off, but a little far off. Like they're here. Um, like this is a big call that they're going to have to make, and I think it's it's amazing to me how like. All this drama seems to be happening right leading up to the moment where they're going to have to make a big decision. Well, and the big and and I don't like that. I don't like that framing. Well, I say not making a decision is a big decision. Not making a trade is as big a decision. Keeping one of your starters is a decision. But but deciding deciding you don't need to change it up, like like change it up slightly. That's a big decision to make right now. I think it's also a big decision to 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 you know. Trade a starter essentially. That's a big decision as well. I think both sides of it. There's not an easy. There's no. There's no like right or wrong. Like this is definitely what they should do. Answer to what's going on with the team right now. There I think isn't. it's. I think it's overly dramatic to say keeping a starter who has been part of the plan the whole year. I think that's overly dramatic. Saying that that's a big decision. I do think if you trade him, that is a big decision. I think keeping staying the course. I think they're going to take heat if they don't make a big a move at the deadline. I'm not saying it's the wrong move not to make a move at the deadline, but they're going to take heat if they don't. Okay, but like, think of it this way: Dylan Brooks is clearly, for the fan base in particular, he is clearly like 
the scapegoat, the symbol mm-hmm. of like yeah. you direct all your frustration at him. Like no one's gonna call Ja out. Yeah, Jaron had there was ja- a moment where Jaron was, correct. but he's moved past. That. Correct. No, it's an all star. It's very clearly Dylan. Desmond is untouchable, almost to level Jaya's in terms of the fan base. And no one else, like even Zaire. Zaire's too far down on Correct. the, t- the, peck, the totem pole, if so, you will. So, and Steven Adams is beloved. And like Steven and so is Des, yeah. Yeah, and Steven Adams also feels a little more self-aware. You know what I mean? I think that's a big problem with Dylan is a lack of self-awareness. They have to tell Steven to shoot Correct. more. Correct, yeah. And But what is interesting to me is... People seem to forget this is part of the Dylan Brooks life cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, you go, th- you go through. Is, the- it is a roller coaster. <laughs> it is never like everyone. Like he is the guy that if he finishes shooting thirty-seven percent from three, it was like two months shooting fifty-six percent, and then two months shooting. 11%. Like, that's kind of how it Even happens. Even in a game, he'll yes. be like four of Correct. ten from three, and he'll be like, he hit his first two, Correct. and he hit two in a row in the third quarter. Correct. And then but never then made it. it. Yeah, and then missed 11 straight. <laughs> like, that is just the Dylan Brooks life cycle. And so, I do think it's kind of, I think it's kind of a, a new, uh, new test, if you will, to determine how long someone's actually been watching the Grizzlies. When they have scapegoated Dylan Brooks, that's a good indicator. This this person just now started watching the Grizzlies and is unaware. Well, I think longtime fans scapegoat him too. Yeah, but more longtime fans at least acknowledge there are there are positives that come with Dylan. Dylan hasn't had like a you know Dylan the the charm of Dylan, if you will, is that like. It, it was there, like, lately it hasn't been like this. But it was, like, once every, like, eight or ten games, he'd just have, like, a heater. A heater yeah. You know? And the last heater he had, best I can tell, was when they played. Remember when they played at Toronto? It was, like, yeah. his homecoming game. Yeah. He had, like, 25 on 7 of 14 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3. It was like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, if we get this version, if this version of Dylan shows up, yeah. holy cow. And it's like, well, it hasn't showed up since... December 29th. Correct. Um, you know, and like, we that, haven't even seen it this year. <laughs> so he hasn't had one. Of, he usually like he'll, he tempers some of this criticism by like once every eight games, he just has a heater, you know, and he's Correct. like, and he hasn't done that. Yeah. He hasn't done it. In and a while. so the question though, for me is what is the cause of that? Is this just riding the wave? I bet you he's, yeah, he's or is in, he feeling it? He's in the last year of his contract. You have to remember, like, I think, some background on Dylan Brooks is important. Context, if you will, and all this. Like, for instance, I didn't even realize this. Him and Donovan Mitchell are the same draft class. I bet you 100 bucks. that's one of the guys on draft night when Dylan didn't go to late in the second round. Played similar positions. Who he goes yeah. like, I'm better than this guy. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I can, I, I can, I can take that. this guy. Yeah. You know, like, that's what, so it's like a matchup that matters to him. They've played against each other quite a bit because of that playoff series. Uh a couple years ago, and I would agree with Mitchell that he's like, I don't know if cooked him's the right word, but he's had some really good games against the Grizzlies, especially that playoff series. That yeah. year, he had some really good games against the Grizzlies. Two 35-point games I, in the regular I, season. There is an element of kind of tell your story there, but but at the same time, I bet it's you... Closer to, it's closer to reality than it is to a fiction created in his mind. As, a, as an all-star level player, though... I bet you Dylan has played him better than most, would be my guess. 
Like just based on looking at some of the numbers. I mean, even Mitchell did it last wise, night. Like, he was two for eleven from the field yeah. last night, Donovan Mitchell. Um, so, and he admitted in his little dot, you know, in his little rant that he like Dylan was having a good game against him defensively, which makes what he did even more like you know, kind of lost his mind there for a second. He was like being effective defensively. It wasn't you know, like Donovan Mitchell was killing him. You know, it's also going to get left out of this point in time in history. Mitchell got thrown out of the game too. <laughs> I was actually thinking that, like, honestly, like if this were a playoff game, yeah. good trade, good yeah, trade. No, I mean, you know, that's a up? good trade. You, Dylan, literally, Dylan's job was, was to, to take, stop, take out, yeah, take out Donovan Mitchell. Was to stop Mitchell, and he did even a better job than we thought. And frankly, with the way he's been shooting, correct, you could make the no, argument that strategically was best, that, that was best the, of both worlds. <laughs> you didn't have to see him on offense, and he took out Mitchell. Because I will point out, I don't think this little caveat is getting. Uh, enough notice. That was a five point game when Don, when Dylan Brooks. Yeah, the, did when they that poke happened. The bear? And well, they probably poked the bear. That's probably what it was. And they didn't have the legs to push back because, like, for a second there, like the first two or three minutes after the the whole melee happened, it looked like it was going to be oh my god, like these teams are going to go back and forth again, like a few weeks ago. And then it was very clear, like the Grizzlies just did not have it in them to punch back the way the you know because the Cavs were pissed. And, you know, it turned into a pretty lopsided game the rest of the way. But it was a five-point game. They Remember, they briefly took the lead when Bain came out torching in the third quarter. Um, well, to me, it was also another one of those clips that you could you could just keep watching it forever because there was something you'd see every single time. Well, I'll say this. We noted Harlan, last... Harlan with the boink. Yeah, that was... Well, Harlan was the perfect guy for the call. Oh, God. Well, and Reggie, Reggie getting the call wrong at first, basically like saying like, "Well, that was also part of the beauty of it." Yeah. It's like, okay, well, that's that's Harlan being amazing and Reggie White screwing it, or Reggie, Reggie Miller screwing it up. Like that's perfect. Well, and then we noted the last heater Dylan had was at Toronto. They play Toronto on Sunday. That's their next game at home. Well, I mean, turns out maybe there's maybe that's motivation. It's not just like oh my hometown team. It's you know that's we're getting linked at, but also we saw some elite get back coaches there. Well, that, that was, was so. The guy th- who tackled him is uh, uh, the security, the head yeah. of security for the Grizzlies. He's all, you know. He's but all, I mean, but I mean, I th- I think we saw Taylor like you know once a Taylor get back was coach, in the middle of the front. Once a get back coach, yeah. always a get back coach because Taylor did a great job. Did you see how wide he got? Like he's <laughs> really made himself big. Got me. Would that have really gotten? Everyone was like, "Thank God, Dylan got tackled, or that could have gotten really bad." And I was just like. Were they were those guys really gonna come to blows like that? So here, like I I hear you, but when's the last time you saw somebody actively punch someone in the nuts? Like That's that true. is. Well, I thought you made a good point on Jeff's show this morning. He didn't actually get hit in the nuts because he would no, not have he, reacted he, that listen, way. As a lifelong wrestling fan, I know what happens. You can literally take countless chair shots to the head, but a low blow. You're out forever. You might as well. You're done. You're done. But he clearly didn't get him because Mitchell never like really blinked. Like he immediately like that caused him to snap. But also, I don't like the the people that are saying like he he wasn't trying to hit him in the nuts. Well, then what was he trying to do? Because hitting someone in the shin is not a thing people do. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was an absurd moment. It is truly well. Here's the other question. What? <laughs> but like, hold on. This was the other thing that I love. What's Greenberg show? Get up. 
Yeah. Greenberg, Greenberg this morning, it was just an all-timer. He had to, like, take his glasses off and look straight at the camera and get all serious and fold his arms. Like, what do you think he was trying to do? Yo, he's trying to hit him in the nuts. Like, you, we, you, if you want to ask why, like, that's fine. So but, like, this has not yeah. <laughs> This has not made you anti- you know, like, It feels like we've been a pro-Dylan show, ultimately. We've been critical, but we've also been like, uh, we, we don't think you can get, like, show me someone a better option than him. You know, and even in the OG Ananobi stuff, we've been like, is he really going to be that much better than Dylan Brooks? I mean, my thing is, I... Because the consensus outside in the outside world now seems to be like, Dylan Brooks is the weak link on this team. Correct, but think of it this way. Dylan is their fourth guy. Mm-hmm. Jaws clearly one. On the offensive end, Dez is clearly two. Jaron's three. He's clearly the fourth option. Mm-hmm. How many other teams have a fourth option that's as good as Dylan? Like, that's just, there is value for Dylan. And, like, he has done a better job this year of throttling back. The problem has been the last month, he has he been bad. No, he has but, been bad the last month. But wouldn't you rather him go one for nine than go one for seven, excuse me, one for 17? If he plays as poorly as he's played this past month in the playoffs, they won't go far in the playoffs. Okay, but this is kind of the question that you have to wrestle with. Do you believe that Dylan Brooks is broken? No. Because I don't think he'll play this poorly the rest. I think we're watching literally the worst he's been he's played in like several years. Because that would be my argument is that this is just part of the Dylan experience. It'll be interesting to see cuz I uh, I will be curious like I think he's going to get suspended. Like I we, I mentioned the Toronto game Sunday. I don't know if he's going to play in that game. Right? I just don't think you can punch a guy in the nuts he's gonna on get, national TV. He's going to get, he's gonna get he got one game for the Gary Payton, the second one. Now, that was one playoff game. So that's like, you know, I, he's getting multiple games. I well, think he's and, getting two or three. And the the Warriors ran a smear campaign. If I told you, if I told you he was suspended for three games, which would mean he's suspended through, or no. Three it, would feel much. Two games? So he doesn't play before the trade deadline. He's back from for, for next Friday's game against uh, Minnesota. Like on the one hand, which I also believe, I don't know if that that's a home game. I'm not sure if it's national TV or not. Uh, you got the thing right there, the schedule. Can you get suspended multiple games if you didn't connect? No, it's just a Bally Sports game next Friday. Um, like, is this a situation where the fact that he didn't actually hit him in the nuts? I mean, I think the problem, what's going to work against him is his direct act caused a melee. Typically, like, they're going to come down on that. But then when you also think about it, he only got, quote-unquote, only got one game for the Gary Payton, the second hit. Are they really going to give him more than that for this? When in reality, it was more of the aftermath that was probably the bigger deal than it was the actual act itself, but I think the act itself caused it. I don't know. Three feels feels extreme. You could also tell me they just fine him. I bet you he's not playing Sunday. I'll say that. I would think he's going to get suspended. 
But you could also tell me that, like, if I find out that they just find him, whatever, a hundred grand or whatever, I don't know what the max they can find you. I sit there and go, okay. Is that what the max is? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is it? I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is either. Um, I mean, when's the last time someone hit someone intentionally in the nuts on national TV? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, that is the other thing is like, just, just so, that's when you realize like there's just so many blowhards in our business that like want sports to be played by like true thought leaders. They're like, what was he doing? It's like it's pretty clear what he was uh, doing. Yeah, he was. He he. Dylan Brooks is a guy who <laughs> walks the edge. Yes, and sometimes and that can, involves walking over correct. the edge. Got to know where the line is. Yes, you have yeah. to cross. Better it to from, do it in the regular correct. season. Got to cross it from time to time to know where the line is. Well, I will say it's. Good for I mean he he did like listen, there is no player of Dylan Brooks's like level, if you will, in the NBA who is getting talked about as much as he is today. You know what I mean? Like yeah, no. he's getting talked about like he is a super like, like he's like, a, yeah, th- he's like a he's a fringe starter. Having spoken to Dylan Brooks, because again, you have to know his background a little bit of like he is a guy ultimately who even though like he knows he has to play this way in order to stay in the NBA, and yet at the same time, sometimes talks about himself and like references Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Like that's the like he both is aware that he has to be like this like unorthodox type player Just in like order Kobe, to make I love it playoff basketball. But like yeah, but like he also has the mind like he's his entire mindset and what makes him successful is also you know what ultimately is like his downfall at times. And he knows it and still does it. You know what I mean? Like, you have to make sure that is within the context of the conversation. In the end, why he is Dylan Brooks is the same reason why he's maddening. Like, in general, you know what I mean? Like, he is the guy that, he's the guy that the irrational confidence is what also makes him unnerving. Yeah. And when, well, and it's amazing and we'll talk Tigers in the list because they got a big game against Tulane tomorrow. You pointed this out before the show. It's amazing. You know what this is cemented? The Grizzlies are the drama team now, and the Tigers are like the oh, yeah. steady Eddie team like in it, the market. If anything, they're boring. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Grizzlies are now the drama team. Like, you know, the Tigers have run-of-the-mill storylines. Like, when is Malcolm Dandridge going to come back from injury? When is Alo going to come back from injury? But there's... There's very little drama right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> good stuff. Well, let's bring in Blake Topmeyer. We're going to talk a little college football with him. Did you hear the big news? Oklahoma and Texas wanted to get in the SEC for 2024, and TV mm. blocked it. TV. The media did it again, Jeffrey. TV executives. They blocked they it. They don't care about us. Let's get Blake Topmeyer's thoughts on it. He's the SEC columnist at the USA Today Network. He's going to join us next. Next, Lots more coming on the Giannato and Jeffrey Show. You're listening to 92.9 FM. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm ESPN. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. Joins us each and every Friday on the program. He's on Twitter, at BTopmeyer. Blake, what do you make of the news that Oklahoma and Texas. Report. Yeah, report. Re- excuse me, the report. Oklahoma and Texas are in negotiations to try to get the early exit, but they, they're they unable to make the deal because. Everyone agreed to it except correct, Fox except and ESPN. Fox. Well, mainly Fox, it sounds like. What, what, are we, what are we to make of this? Well, if Blake was going to answer. Blake, you there? You there? I feel like it's Groundhog's Day. Yeah, right? exactly, right? Because of what day after yeah. <laughs> right? But I mean, like, how many how many times have we we seen these headlines? I mean, I, I think um, I think if the Big Twelve and if the SEC and if Oklahoma and Texas certainly had their way, everybody would 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 be in the place where where they're going to be in the end here, and 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 they'd be there sooner rather than later. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas want to be in the SEC. The SEC wants them in the SEC um, as soon as possible, which would be 2024. And I think the Big 12 is at the point where, as long as it financially makes sense for them, they're, they're ready to, to break part and, and get this divorce over with. But, like you said, there's still the fourth party in this uh, breakup, and that is the TV networks, which for the last 18 months in college football have been driving a lot of the action. So this was what I was trying to figure out. Do we think that this means this is dead, or do we think this is a negotiation tactic? Probably the latter. I don't think it's dead. I mean, much like the – I kind of see this in a way like the 12-team playoff. Like, how many times didn't we hear, like, well, we've passed the deadline for the 12-team playoff. It's going to be no sooner than 2026 at this stage. Um, You know, the the deadline has passed to make it happen. Wasn't it probably like this fall? they got to probably make a decision by this fall. Right. I think that's. I think. I think that's right. There. There is at some point a deadline. Um, as I make a mockery of all this. Yeah. Um, uh, it you, seems you like the deadline say, would be August one of twenty twenty four. No, yeah, you I need. Know, to, you need I, more time than that. Like, there's yeah, a schedule to make. 
Yeah, you can't do it August one of twenty twenty four, but you could do it August one of of this year. Yeah, I think you could probably even do it October one uh, of this year. We're we're not at the deadline yet. We we saw that's the one thing I just love though. Of- I love when they when they come up against their own arbitrary dates that they set. Like we <laughs> have right. to settle this by January one. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> Says you? Yeah. Like literally? What? Why? Right. I mean, you know, one thing, going back to the pandemic season, um, that showed us a lot of things. One, it showed us that uh, college football fans love conference games, right? Big, yes. big, big shocker. Um, but two, it showed they, us... Spoiler alert, for, fans enjoy watching games that matter to them. Weird. Yes, they don't want to see Kent State lose. Uh, well, I shouldn't pick on Kent State. They actually gave Georgia a game. But That's anyway, true. I digress. Uh, but their head coach, their head coach, did go to become the offensive coordinator at Colorado. That tells you all you need to know. Didn't know that. Uh, the pandemic season showed us you can throw a lot of the rules out the window, yeah. right? I mean, they they were rewriting those schedules weeks before the season started. They were canceling contracted games uh, that had been scheduled ten years out with non conference opponents, and said, "No, we can't do this anymore." Um, we'll, we'll, we'll either pay the buyout or, or exert some clause in the contract. So we, we break away from the, from the deal. So, you know, there's all these rules. There's these things that you think you can't do the deadlines. Uh, and then we look back on 2020 and it's like, when you want to throw the rule book out the window and make something happen, when you truly want to make something happen, uh, especially if there's financial incentive, uh, to make something happen, you go ahead and do it. And so, yeah, I think this still remains alive. You, you have, three of the four important parties who I think want to get this done in time for the 2024 season. And and I I do agree. I think this is probably a negotiation tactic um, to maybe get that last party aboard. I did like in the big 12 schedule, they got Texas playing at Houston this year. Oklahoma's playing at Cincinnati. You know, know, those those new schools coming in are going to, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't look at the schedule and find an all-road schedule. Yeah, yeah. all of a sudden you know, they how, have how nine road games. Well, yeah. people pointed yeah. out for like, for instance, like the awkwardness of this. There's like the schedule release a few days ago. Like every other Big Twelve school had this like fancy graphic, like this big made that made a big to do with the Houston, schedule release. Houston had a video. Yeah, and and Texas and Oklahoma just basically here's Here our is. schedule. Yeah, here's, <laughs> here's, here's our schedule. Here's the schedule we don't want to play. Yeah. <laughs> And the problem is, I mean, the Big 12, you know, rightfully so, they're trying to put a spin on this thing of they're heading into an exciting new direction, et cetera. And, and I do think, uh, given the fact that they lost Oklahoma and Texas, that was not good, right? But, but from that point forward, I think they did well to survive. They did well to go pluck off, um, I, I think, some of the most attractive members of, of Power Six conferences, you could say, that were there there for the taking. And so, yeah, I mean, they want to, they want to spend the future and, and all of us that know anything know uh, if, if they had their, their druthers, they'd rather have Oklahoma and Texas still in the fold. They didn't want to lose them. They, they, I'm sure they'd bury the hatchet and take them back um, in about 0.2 seconds if they had the opportunity to, but they're trying to spin this forward as, as anyone would. And that's hard to do. Uh, you know, when you, when you got lame duck, Texas and Oklahoma, the, the two big fish that are on their way out, still sitting around in your league. Well, and the reality is, like what Fox is saying is, they they get seven, likely get seven games involving Texas and Oklahoma in 2024 on Fox or Fox Networks, and that's premium advertising opportunities. I'm just curious, what is that number? Like, what's the number that could replace having seven Texas and Oklahoma games? I don't know. I'm seven curious what playoff it is. games. 
Like, is it $700 million, $100 million I, my, a game? That my, seems a lot. My suspicion is this is Fox's way of this is Fox's way of getting into the playoff the playoff negotiations. And they would be foolish, right, to let Correct. it go away without getting some Something. bigger piece of the pie. So I don't – I mean, it, it, it's, like, it's like you guys said. It's negotiation. It's business. If anyone thought this breakup was going to be easy – um, he didn't see the, the, the financials involved, the number of parties involved. If it was as simple as the SEC and Texas and Oklahoma saying, hey, you guys ready to come in? Yeah, we're, we're ready. Oh, yeah, so are we. Let's do it. Then, then it'd be over with, right? Right. But, I, I um, think they're even willing to cut the check at this point to the Big 12. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Well, let's, let's switch course to the other big SEC story, and it's Alabama's search for coordinators that – you know, I don't know what you want to believe, whether they're getting turned down or they're, you know, they're denying candidates. But now, today, the late Todd Grantham was apparently a candidate to oh, be third DC. Grantham's back. Well, no, he's going to uh, the NFL, I believe. He got an NFL job. Uh, uh, he's the not Saints. an NFL coach. He jo- he joined the Saints. Now that strikes me more as a he want he would have yeah, taken yeah. the Alabama job and they don't want him. Um, but he did interview with Nick Saban. He's going to be a defensive assistant with the Saints instead. Um, we heard about the. We have not heard anything since Tommy Reese got on an Alabama private jet and flew down to Tuscaloosa to interview with Nick Saban in Alabama. Apparently, the Washington offensive coordinator turned down Alabama. What do you, I mean? Is Nick Saban gonna? You know, is he gonna call plays this year, Blake? What's gonna happen here? Yeah, I hope he's not gonna call offensive plays. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's this narrative I think around Alabama sometimes. Uh, and media types contribute to this, and certainly Alabama fans contribute to this, that Nick Saban has some sort of magical touch in life, whereas if it's raining uh, and he walks out the front door, suddenly it's not raining anymore, and and the sun is shining, and and he's some sort of demigod. Um, That's not true. Um, Nick Saban cannot move mountains. Uh, He's not the galactic overlord. What he is is a really good football coach who, for more than a decade, has assembled usually college football's most talented roster, and he's won national championships. Um, but I think we've turned that into the guy can achieve anything whenever he wants, and, and, and he's infallible. He can do no wrong. And so, of course, when he loses two coordinators at the same time, um, you know, we all thought, ooh, who, who's he, who's he going to get? These are the two most attractive coordinator jobs in the land. Like, they'll be, they'll be lining up to take this thing. And to Saban's credit, He's made some really good coordinator hires in the past. But I think we also tend to forget some of those guys were down and out. Like, we think about Lane Kiffin now. We think about Steve Sarkeesian now. Um, at the time, it wasn't like he was plundering the, the brightest offensive coordinator mind in the nation to come to Tuscaloosa. Um, that, that really hasn't happened throughout his tenure. I mean, if you think about the Jeremy Pruitt hire, yes, that is – a bit of an exception to the rule, but there's a lot of factors in play there. I mean, you know, Pruitt left, um, uh, he left Georgia to return to Alabama. Cause you know, I don't think, I don't think all parties were getting along together. No, I mean, he, and, he, he allegedly started a fight at, at Mark Rick's house <laughs> he, in front, yeah. in front of the team. Yes, that, that is, that is the story. Uh, and beyond that, you know, Pruitt's an Alabama, and he, he, he was on the team there. You know, he's an Alabama guy through and through. So, so that was, 
a case of Nick Saban getting the guy who was who was probably at the time regarded as the one of the best, certainly coordinators in the land, and bringing him to town. But you know, Lane Kiffin had fallen off the face of the universe. Like it, it was it was like a Where's Waldo type of thing. You know, where what is Lane Kiffin doing before Nick Saban brought him in? Uh, and, and Kiffin will tell you that. Like he was. He was in a bad place in his career, and, and Nick Saban... He had literally been left at a, on a freaking tarmac. Yeah, he'd, he'd been left at a tarmac. That, that's, yeah, and, and so I think we have this revisionist history of like, well, Saban can go out and get whoever he wants. Look who he's hired in the past. But it's like, no, look what those guys became after he hired them, um, and, and they succeeded in the role, which, which you know, is, is a great selling point to the coordinator jobs. You would think somebody would want these things because... Uh, if you if you succeed in those roles, you go on to become a head coach. But but it is it is total revisionist history, and it's and it's handing Nick Saban the magic wand to think that anytime his coordinator jobs come open, he goes out and hires the most coveted coordinator in the land. Really, his hiring track record shows that's not the way it's usually gone for him. And actually, a lot of his coordinator hires tend to take a long time. He, he's not someone who a coordinator job comes open. And he's got it filled in two days. This is sort of the way it goes with him. Well, this, we were talking about this subject yesterday. The, the other thing that's interesting to me is when he gets the, the, the wayward boy, if you will, you know, the, the guy that needs, that needs uh, honestly, like new PR. You know what I mean? Like needs, mm-hmm. needs the, the maturity. Like, so, like we mentioned with Lane, with Sark, you know, Sark had to rebound after the public disgrace and, and fall from grace. But when you think about like the traditional hires that he makes, it's not really a great record. Like Pete Golding was just like at you know at UTSA, I think, coaching like safeties there. Now he was on his staff and he promoted him up. But like Doug Nussmeyer is kind of like a eh, hire. I guess oh, Matt, in the we've end, got some breaking yeah, it's, news. It, it's going to be Tommy Reese. You don't send the plane up there to not go get him, Pete, right? Pete Thamel is reporting, among others, 247 is now multiple reports. The white smoke. Tommy Reese has accepted the Alabama offensive coordinator. Well, no, no. It's if you're leaving the Catholic Church, and oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't do white smoke, right? Oh, that's true. This is like, he's, he's going evangelical. This is the Protestant yeah. Reformation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Church of Saban. Yes, he's he's going to the yes. Protestant Church of Saban. He is Martin Luther. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm sure this will be a hire that elicits you know divided reaction. I think the the certain Alabama fans would be like, how in the world did we not get somebody better than Tommy Reese? And the other end of the spectrum is, well, Saban can do no wrong if he sees something in him. Uh, he'll be you know winning a Super Bowl in two years. Tommy Reese will as as a coach. Uh, in truth, I do. I do love I Alabama. Take like credit for Jalen Hurts too. This has been great. The 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 mental gymnastics that are doing taking credit for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it's one of these narratives that really doesn't <laughs> doesn't matter. Remember right? that adversity he went yes, through in no, Tuscaloosa. No, yes, he will be ready for the Super Bowl because he got benched in a championship game. <laughs> Here's one thing. Now we've pivoted into Jalen Hurts. One thing I don't understand is this this underdog narrative that is now being affixed to Jalen Hurts. Like, yes, the guy got benched, but this was a guy who was <laughs> who excelled as the starting quarterback at not one but two of the greatest, most storied college football programs of all time, was a Heisman Trophy runner-up, uh, encountered some of the usual tropes ahead of the draft, but 
I mean, this is this guy's been a lifelong achiever. He's been counted out his whole career, Blake. Yeah, Come Blake, on. Blake, what, Blake, what are you talking Blake, about? Blake, you don't understand. He was a second-round pick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, we conveniently forget that Tom there were, Brady was a, There were a handful Blake, of quarterbacks Blake. picked ahead of him. He was a second-round pick with an entrenched starter and people going, why did they waste this pick on him? <laughs> yeah, that's that's how highly somebody thought of him, right? Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> I do think yeah. I do think he was never totally like viewed as an elite quarterback, and I do no, I, I, I agree with I, that. I, I do agree with if he feels like I he's been right. doubted in that yeah, way. Yeah, I agree with that. Isn't that us being in the wrong than him ever being in the? In I'm still not, I, I'm the, I'm digging in. I'm still not convinced. He can win a Super Bowl next week, and I'm still going to need to see more. I system quarterback. <laughs> You're dug in. I'm, I'm, I've got the ski poles out. I'm telling you, he still doesn't pass the eye test. You see those deep balls last week? I, I saw them route uh, mm-hmm. an NFC Championship opponent by 24 points. I did see that. Well, here, well, here, I, I want to, I want to get Blake's thoughts on Dabo real quick because I thought Dabo <laughs> had the best press conference of post National Signing Day um, because from one unlikely underdog to another, Dabo basically yeah. was cha- he chastised the fan base. They don't appreciate ACC titles anymore. There were five when they won it in 2011, Blake. There were five thousand people there to greet them when they returned home. Blake, he was spitting history lessons too. He did like the we've, when won, they won, we've won three championships at hundred. What was it? Hundred twenty-seven years. 127 it just years. happened to be two of them were in the past seven. Okay, and what this time when we won the ACC up. championship, no one was there to greet us. It like didn't matter. And then, as someone pointed out on Twitter, I wanted to go, but you guys didn't tell me when your arrival. You guys didn't announce when you were arriving <laughs> home. But that's neither here nor there. He basically is saying, like, the, the Clemson fans are getting a little spoiled. He wants them to take joy in 10, win se- 10 11 win seasons like they just had, even if it doesn't result in a playoff berth. Yeah, I can't remember what the pecking order of coaching salaries is, but uh, Dabo is either number two or number three. It's, it's Dabo, Nick, and Kirby. Uh, are the are the top three uh, paid guys uh, in the head coach's chair? So I, I think it's um, yeah. You know, if you're if you're back to little old Clemson, uh, plucky Clemson, then then that's fine. You celebrate ACC championships. But uh, despite what Dabo may try to gaslight into us, us into believing, like the the plucky Clemson, uh, you know, the pull yourself up by the bootstraps Clemson thing, like that's that's kind of been left behind. And now they have you know, one of the most handsomely paid coaches in the land. And I think it's fair to expect more than an ACC championship and then getting steamrolled. Uh, by your rival. And by your yeah. rival. Losing your rival, well, too. Well, yeah, that, that too. And that probably stings even more as the loss to, to South Carolina. But, yeah, you throw in yeah, the South Carolina loss, the loss to Tennessee. I mean, they went out with a whimper. And then they signed, you know, a recruiting class that ranks outside the national top ten. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like. Y'all, their uh, program's built on NIL. Well, and to your point, God's NIL. To your point, he said all this from the brand new sparkling building called the Athletic Branding Institute mm. at Memphis, is that at the, Clemson. Isn't that the one that has like the slide into the? Uh, it's like a slide into like a like a giant like adult ball pit. I don't know, but I, <laughs> who who could have imagined that someone who stuck his neck out further than anybody in the don't play, pay the players camp. For years, I mean, he was way out on that limb of he was not having it for for paying the players. Who could have imagined uh, that a guy's program now in this era where players can make money, uh, 
his program's teetering a little bit. Who, who could have predicted that, right? Like, you stick your neck out, uh, eventually might get cut off. No, it, there definitely is, like, an adapt or die. You know, I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth, though, on this. Like, This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 